morning. You can find today's reading on page 720 of your church Bibles if you want to follow it on the page. This is from Isaiah chapter 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your Lord will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the Way of Holiness, and it will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it, wicked fools will no, not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of our God. Good morning, church. Can you all hear me? Yeah, if you can't hear me, John at the back is your man. And if you still can't hear me, here are some scripts which I'll put on the front row for people to pick up if they want to follow what's going on. Before we start, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, it's actually you we want to hear this morning. We ask that you would speak to us and that we would have a renewed vision of who you are and what you have done and that that vision would change us, transform us into your likeness. Amen. So here we are in the third Sunday of Advent. Um, and our readings for the season have reflected um, this time in the church's calendar when we're looking forward not just to celebrating the incarnation of Jesus, but looking forward 
to the glory we are ultimately caught up in of the God who was and is and is to come, the God who is reconciling all things to himself in Christ Jesus. We're also looking at John the Baptist today, and I'm not going to talk about John the Baptist other than to say John the Baptist was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Um, And this morning's theme is um, the wilderness will rejoice. So here's where we're going. I'm not sure if you can see that well on the screen because of the sun, but here's where we're going. Um, We're going to go through the passage systematically, so I would recommend that you have it open in front of you. Um, It's page 720 for quick reference. And here's where we're going. We're going to look at what God intended and what he didn't intend in verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at why God's judgment is good news in verses 3 and 4. And then we're going to look at what God's judgment looks like in verses 5 to 7. And then we're going to talk about where we fit in, verses 8 to 10. Firstly, what God intended. You might want to flick forward uh, back here to Genesis 1 and 2, um, where we see some, something chaotic and formless, and it is transformed by a word from God. And then we see this created order descend into chaos again at the fall. Those of you who were here last week will notice the similarity in the themes. Last week we were talking about the wasteland. A wasteland is a place where things had once grown, but has been deliberately stripped bare and laid to waste. A wilderness, on the other hand, is a place which has yet to be cultivated. It's a place that's been left in its natural condition. And verses 1 and 2 speak of God's arrival in that uncultivated territory. The desert and parched land will be glad The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. That's a beautiful, verdant, life-giving transformation that's going on there. I guess it's designed to make us want to see it. We want to be there in that landscape as it's being transformed. We want to see the glory of God and his splendor. But you know, the fall has led to a state of wilderness where we remain largely untouched as a species and as a planet, largely untouched by God's good purposes for us. Just this term uh, in our preaching series, we've heard uh, what this looks like, haven't we? We've heard about trade injustice leading to extreme poverty. We've heard that there are more than 200 children in Shropshire awaiting a home and people to love them. We've heard that our prisons are 98% full to capacity and that re-offending rates are huge. And we've also been told that money and stuff which are meant to make us happy don't, as the richest people in our country are reporting the lowest rates of happiness. Human flourishing cannot take place in a wasteland. But God has intervened to do something about that. What has he done? Well, turn with me to verses 3 and 4. 
Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Isn't that lovely? And then it goes on. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. My goodness, what on earth do we do with that? I had a choice with this passage. Um, A lot of these sermons and films I was looking at online about this passage um, missed out the vengeance and retribution thing. It's tempting, but I'm not doing it. Today, I'm preaching judgment. (laughs) Why? Well, because actually, it is really, really good news. It's good news for those in prison. It's good news for victims of crime. It's good news for those without a family to love them. And it's good news for you, whatever has been going on in your life this week. Read verses 3 and 4 for yourself. Just cast an eye over it. Tell those who are fearful that God is coming to judge, not to destroy you or punish you, but to save you. Save you. Did that surprise you, how that couple of verses developed? You see, I think... We've often misunderstood God's judgment, and by doing that, we've actually misunderstood his character. I think that's why postmodern preachers tend to overlook themes of judgment and difficult bits. We suspect that God may be like us, not very nice, wanting revenge, waiting to punish us. We make God in our own image. We want to be arbitrators of justice. Because when we do that, we can judge ourselves and justify our own behavior. Or we can make judgments about others. The newspapers do it all the time. In our house, we give pocket money to our kids. But to qualify for pocket money, we like them to do certain jobs around the house. And last week was particularly busy. And the jobs went undone. And obviously it's the run-up to Christmas and cash is a bit tight when you need to buy Christmas presents. So I said to Aidan, and and I'm sharing this with his permission, I said to him, when it comes to pocket money, what would you rather have? Justice or mercy? And he thought about it for a moment and he said, when it comes to me, mercy. When it comes to the girls, justice. (laughs) You see, I don't want justice. Justice means I have to face my shortcomings with nowhere to hide. Justice means I am condemned and I have no hope. What I need is mercy. Karl Barth allegedly said this, I would rather be judged by God than by my mother. I'm sure this is not an indictment on Mrs. Bart Sr., Um, but rather a recognition that the judge who judges you is the one who gave his life to save you. His love for you is boundless. And in the run-up to Christmas, we are reminded that God crossed our path in Jesus 
And that absolutely puts an end to any of our pretensions, to any of our judgments of others, to any assumption that we have the right to judge. As we're celebrating today in Holy Communion, the cross is the powerful instrument of redemption where the judge was judged in your place. He holds the powerful instrument of redemption. All we've got is a kind of toy replica. It doesn't get us anywhere. The cross is great news. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. Which brings us on to our third point, what God's judgment actually looks like. According to this passage, judgment is not retributive. It's not about punishment. It's about liberation. It's about deliverance. God lifts the burden from us of being the arbitrators of right and wrong, and he liberates. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You see, God is judging those things which prevent our flourishing, which prevent us from being in his likeness. Not so he can tell us off, but so that he can liberate us from those things which limit us. Judgment means the wilderness will rejoice as God liberates us from the things that prevent our flourishing. Which leads to our final point where you come in. Thank you for staying for the duration. I imagined that when I said I was preaching judgment, you'd all be out the door. Um, (laughs) You see, church, you are called to model what the new creation looks like. You are signposts to what God is doing in the world. So the choices that you make can either facilitate or inhibit human flourishing, your own and other people's. And the choices we make to facilitate flourishing are what this passage is calling the way of holiness, the way by which those who know God's mercy are called to live. Some of you may have come across the story of this lovely young lady. She's been doing the rounds of the internet for the last week or so. Her name is Jessica Eves. She was in a supermarket when a man stole her purse. She saw him do it and he ran off. And later she saw him in one of the other aisles. And she approached him and said, you have a choice. Either you give me back my purse and we both go together to the checkout to pay for your groceries, or I call the police. This is what she says. He reached into his hoodie pocket and gave me my wallet. He started crying as we walked up to the front. He said he was sorry about 20 times by the time we got from the pickle aisle to the till. He told me he was desperate. Jessica spent $27 on his groceries. I think that's about £20. I'm not really sure. But um, these included milk, bread, soup, cheese, basic foodstuffs. And the last thing he said to her was, I'll never forget tonight. I'm broke. I'm desperate. I have kids. I'm embarrassed. And I am so sorry. Jessica said that some people were critical that she didn't turn him in to the police. But she says, sometimes all you need is a second chance. 
Jessica had lost her father to suicide when she was a young girl, and she said one of the things she remembered him telling her was, whatever else you do in life, always choose to be kind. Jessica herself is uh, a follower of Jesus, and I think her story illustrates so beautifully what Paul is saying in Romans, that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. The kindness of God, not his threats, but his kindness leads you to repentance. I think this is a beautiful story of kindness leading somebody to repentance. Be kind. Be kind. Because the judge who judges you is kind. He's coming to liberate you, to enable your flourishing. Now, I'm not sure I would act like Jessica. I think that's quite an amazing sort of kindness which kicked in to override the inevitable feelings of fear and uh, the kind of fight or flight thing that would come in if you're a victim of crime. I think it's quite astonishing that she made that decision to be kind. It's a very hard choice to make. But when she made it, flourishing was the result. So to end, I would like to invite you to take part in this flourishing. The passage says, They'll enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown them. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is not a pipe dream. This is something you are called to model now. So to end, I'd like to give you a minute just to think about this. What might you do this week to show mercy? Eleanor was telling us this morning about an ex-offender who came to the door selling things and how her instinct was to tell him to go, but God said, no, you need to talk to this lad. And they had a very astonishing conversation on the back of it, which I'm sure she'll tell you about. What could you do this week to demonstrate the kindness of the king? Where can you contribute to the flourishing of people around you? by your actions, by your donations, by your time, by a decision to be kind. I'll just give you a minute to think about that. Father, we thank you that in your mercy you have reached out to us in the wilderness of our existence and that you have made a way for life to flourish for us. We pray this morning that we would always live like those who have received your kindness and your mercy. Help us to make choices which reflect your character. Help us to understand more of the enormity of your love for us so that we can live for you in a way that draws attention to Jesus. Amen.